Welcome to the GDL podcast, episode number six. Our guest today left Alaska for Tennessee due to her husband's military move and grew some pretty deep roots. She built their realty business from scratch and had 36 million in sales closed in 2019. Never family focused, she comes from a family of 13 and became a mom just a few years ago. Hannah Price, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so psyched to be here. Yeah, I'm pretty excited that you're here too. I feel like you have a lot to share with folks. Well, you definitely make it seem that way. I mean, that <laughs> intro, I, I have got to got to rise to the occasion. <laughs> That's the whole idea, right? I know you set me up good. <laughs> well, before we dive into your story, can you just give the audience a quick overview of who you are, what you like to do? Sure. Yeah. So I live in Clarksville, Tennessee, which does happen to be the number one best place to live in the United States, according to myself and Money Magazine. (laughs) Um, So I have a two-year-old daughter, like you mentioned, my real estate business, extremely passionate about that. So it takes up most of my time. Um, In our free time, we like to go out to Nashville, eat, hang out with friends, Maybe one drink, maybe two drinks, sometimes three drinks. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I mean, we love to spend time with family, spend time with friends. I like to work out. So yeah, we have a good time. Yeah. And Maggie told me that you're also a jujitsu player. Is that true? Um, well, it's not called a jujitsu player, but... <laughs> Practitioner, I, I, I do, do jujitsu a little bit. Okay, um, my husband and I actually met in Alaska doing jujitsu. The first time we ever had an interaction, he said, You want to roll? and we <laughs> sparred together. Those were literally like our first words to each other, and the rest is history. And the, awesome. yeah, we we rolled all right. <laughs> That's so, awesome, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's jump in. Um, From what I understand, your entrepreneurship journey began pretty early on with your siblings. Um, Yes. So coming from a big family, we grew up, um, I grew up with, I mean, 11 other siblings. I was the second oldest and was actually homeschooled. And my mom would do these homeschool conventions. And my older brother and I, we would go with her on these conventions and she'd have her little book stand where she would sell curriculum and she would buy curriculum and we would go and we would sell like ice cream cones. We'd like spend all night cooking. And I didn't really realize it, but I think the like entrepreneurial side was starting to be fostered from those like lemonade stand type experiences. <laughs> um, plus when you're a kid, you just want to make money and you want to like have 20 bucks to your name. So we just, we just, uh, yeah, my, me and my older brother started, started doing that pretty young. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And that that was in California, correct? Yep. In Central California is where we grew up. Okay. And then you made the trek to Alaska for what reason? I mean, California is just not my cup of tea. Look, (laughs) no offense to anyone who still lives there and still loves it. But I was like, Alaska, California, Alaska. So I moved out to Alaska, oh gosh, 2009, maybe somewhere around there. Um, and I was accepted into the University of Anchorage, Alaska's nursing program. So I'd done my prereqs in California and was just ready to move on to somewhere cooler. Yeah. And then you met Devon. Then I met Devon in Alaska. He was there for the military. Um, and then I was in Alaska for a total of three or four years. And then we, uh, we moved to Clarksville. He got stationed here in 
yeah, I was, I could have been happier about that. I was not happy at the time. <laughs> Why <laughs> weren't you happy? Away. Yeah. I mean, I moved, Alaska was my, Alaska was my home of choice. So that's where I love, that's where I wanted to be. It's an exciting, invigorating place to live. Um, and when we got married, literally our last day, we got married and flew out of Alaska that day. So he told me about Clarksville earlier and was like, really? And why? <laughs> and apparently it was on his top three places, which I didn't know. I was like, and why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure all military families can relate, right? Yeah, but it has grown on me. You're right. I stopped comparing and I love it now. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's gone through a pretty huge growth spurt over the last couple of years. Yes, it completely has. I think honestly, though, wherever you live, I think every place is close enough to the next. So it's all about your perspective, how to, how like, you know, how deep you want to go with relationships in the community. I think if you're connected, no matter where you are, you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. So we're connected here now. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, yeah. when, when you first got there, did, did you work initially? Um, I did not. So it was the first time in my life since I was married um, that I didn't have to work. So I basically had a sugar daddy, which I was like, nice. I yeah. can get used <laughs> to this. <laughs> this is what it's like. Um, so we, we moved here and I was trying to get accepted into the Austin Peay's nursing program as soon as we started moving here. So I didn't have a job right away. Um, but Devon deployed shortly after and I was at home, you know, putting my, putting my feet up, living the dream, watching <laughs> HGTV. And I was like, babe, we got to flip a house. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so that I was definitely inspired by all the television I had time to watch. And, um, anyway, he was like, sure, babe, flip a house. So he let me, um, drain literally almost every cent in our bank account to flip our first house that we bought while he was gone. So he gets kudo husband points of the universe for that. Yeah. He's the real MVP. Oh, <laughs> just married asking him if we could spend all the money we have in our bank account to flip a house while he's deployed. He's like, sure, babe, do it. It's like, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> well, from, from the point that you flipped that first house while he was deployed, um, how much time passed until the point where you're like, well, let's just start a business and start doing this full time. So first house, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to someone who has become a mentor to me and he kind of helped push and prod me, um, in the right direction when it came to flipping. And he actually encouraged me to get my real estate license, um, so that way I could avoid the annoying overcharging <laughs> realtors who take all the cream off the top of my investments. Um, and so <laughs> I was determined never to use a real estate agent again and got my real estate license probably about this first year and a half into investments. Um, and then we, you know, are flipping some more and then I just kind of stumbled upon some friends that wanted to buy a house. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'll help you. I, I'm an investor. I'm not an unsuccessful realtor, but I'll help you <laughs> if you want me to. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of how the sales side of it started. Mm -hmm. And then I learned sooner than later that there's actually a lot of money to be made and a, a very respectable business to be built in the real estate sales. So there wasn't like a conscious decision of, we are now starting the business and, you know, it just kind of, it kind of slowly trickled from house flipping 
to getting my license to support the house flipping. And then I was making a decent amount of money. Devon and I made the decision for him to get out of the military and come on to the real estate side. So I would say about a year or two in was when we knew Devon was going to get out and we were making enough to keep the bills paid. And you guys didn't have a plan B at the time, right? I mean, you yeah, no. dove in. There was no plan B. I mean, it definitely was a little bit like scary him getting out of the military and all of those benefits and all of that security and just the consistency of it. Um, but I think, I think it was just, we know we're going to make it work. And if we don't, what's the worst that can happen? We're both employable. We'll go, go out and get jobs. You know, we're not going to be homeless. So plan B is starting over. Starting over is better than just sticking with what you're in forever, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think it's a pretty awesome strategy. Um, you know, have, have you heard of uh, Cortez and Burn the Ships? Yes. Okay. For those who aren't familiar, he was a Spanish explorer involved in the conquest of Mexico. And when they got there, he burned his own ships to tell his folks, hey, you know, we're, we're here. We got to do this. You know, the only way we're going back is with their ships when the job's done. So that that's, uh, you know, your story made me think of that. Yeah. Well, and you know, like in that's in that, in that scenario, the worst case scenario was you die right, <laughs> or you succeed or you die. <laughs> like they're going to succeed. I think for us, for anybody, the worst case scenario is you fail mm-hmm. and you start again, you get a job. Maybe you're poor again. I'm like, okay, we're making good money. Maybe this doesn't work. And maybe, maybe we're poor again. Well, I know how to be poor. And I can still enjoy life. Like I was poor before. I didn't, you mm-hmm. know, like worst case scenario is you're going to be fine. You're just going to lower your lifestyle and then start building again. So it's like, I think in my mind, I'm always trying to compare what is the worst that can happen? Like what's the absolute worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. And am I okay with it? And most of the time, worst case scenario, like we can all be okay with it. I think we make things bigger in our mind than yeah. they actually really might be. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I could never do this because what if I didn't fail? Like, what if you fail? What's going to happen? You'll be fine. Yep. Well, I, I think a little bit of discomfort in your life is is good, right? It, it's very yeah. motivating when you're a, a little bit uncomfortable. You're not sure if you're going to be able to pay those bills the next month, mm-hmm. right? You're you're just ex- incredibly motivated to, to be successful, right? Because you have no other choice. You know, there's really no turning back at that point. No, I think it's the alternative is staying what you're doing and retire and die always wondering like what could I have done yeah yeah no I agree well what about the the mentorship piece that you mentioned you know I I feel like a lot of people benefit from great mentors I know I have you know some just kind of occurred in my life when I was in the military or or after I got out and other ones I really had to seek out um what what happened with your mentor was that kind of accidental or purposeful so both Um, when I first moved here, I was, you know, doing research on where would be the best place for us to buy our first house because we would rent it out whenever we moved. So I was calling around different companies and I ended up talking with, um, this real estate company and this gentleman by the name of Jim Little. And he was like, you know, you want to get into real estate investment? I'm going to introduce you to someone. So he introduced me to someone 
that said, oh, well, you need to talk to so-and-so. So I followed up and I talked to so-and-so and that ended up being Jim Hunley. Um, and so he definitely took me under his wing. So it was, it was a little bit accidental, but also if, if you're not, if I'm not following up with opportunity that is in front of us, you don't know where that's going to go. Like I could have very easily never met Jim very easily. So I think it's, it's a little bit of taking the initiative. And if there's an, even a slight possibility for any type of learning, like you take it. Um, yeah. So that's how that happened. And I'm like so grateful that it did because it, he changed my life human, hugely for the better. That's amazing. You know, when, when you actually start networking with some intent, what can happen? Yes. Um, Matt Justice was was on an episode um, before this, and then also um, one of my friends from the army, Evan Greco. And one episode was about real estate; another was about building your resume with experience. But they both had the same advice that you just gave: yep. was build your network, talk about what you want to do, and things just start happening for you. Yeah. At that point. Well, the crazy thing is, you don't know when you're meeting that life changing relationship. You don't know when that is. If you did, you would just zero in on it and you would go, you know, there's like hundreds of people you could meet all the time, but you don't know the opportunities that are going to change your life at their conception. I can look back and see that Jim is, was that turning point for me, but I would have never known that even for the first few years of knowing him. So I think, I think it's so important to take advantage of every open door every relationship and just see it through. Maybe it's something, maybe it's not, but just, you will miss so much, but you got to take initiative too. Like some people are like, Oh, well, that's nice that you got know all these people. I'm like, these people (laughs) didn't come to me. (laughs) Like I was, I only know them because I was knocking on doors in the first place. Yep. Yeah. You took the initiative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Let's, let's talk a little more about starting up the business because when I think back, um, you know, Maggie would tell me, you know, man, I, I really miss Hannah. So for, for listeners who don't know, Hannah and I and, and my wife all know each other from uh, uh, CrossFit in Clarksville, one of the gyms. And yeah, I just remember her coming home and she's like, Hannah's never at the gym anymore. She's doing Aww. this. <laughs> she's doing this real estate thing. I miss her. I'm like, well, she's probably pretty busy. So when, when you were starting up, what were some of those things that you really had to prioritize? Okay. So when I first started, um, I did a few things to, uh, that contributed to a strong start. So as a real estate agent, I think the number one thing for anybody, actually anybody getting into any type of entrepreneurial sales positions or anything like that, nothing is going to come to you. Your broker is not going to make you successful. Your friends aren't going to make you successful. If you have an ounce of thought that somebody else is going to make you successful, you're going to fail. So I think the first thing that I did was like, I wasn't thinking that anyone was going to make me successful. Um, And because of that, I wasn't waiting around for leads or I wasn't complaining that my broker wasn't giving me leads. So I literally was like, if I knock on a hundred doors and three people are open to talking to me and one person buys their house and I can knock on 50 doors a day. That's three deals a week. That's <laughs> thousands of dollars in my first month. <laughs> so I, I literally, I like knocked on so many doors. 
So that was like my first way to really start getting more leads. And I got, nobody wants anyone to knock on your door. So it was good. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone to knock on my door. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but one out of a hundred don't mind. Um, so I, I knocked on doors. I did a lot of posting on social media, like any of the yard sale pages, buy, sell, um, local pages, just posting, Hey, this house just came on the market. Or are you looking to buy? I would get other people to let me use their listings to advertise. Um, so I did that a lot to start that literally I didn't pay for leads in the beginning. I did open houses I knocked on doors. I posted a lot on social media, hundred percent free. Yep. Um, so that's kind of what I did to get started. And then I got really busy and it was working. It's like, when you do the basics, it's shocker. They work. <laughs> um, and, and then, and then my, my personal life started and the gym started. Yep. And now, and now I'm better about all that. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause that's, you gotta have balance. You gotta take care of yourself. Right. Well, well, you and I talked before about how balance is, it, it's not an end state, right? You're, you're yeah. constantly rebalancing based yeah. on what needs attention at the time. Totally. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a bias for action. And I, I think, you know, when I think about other folks who, you know, might be afraid to start a business or whatnot, they, they know they're going to get a lot of no's and that that's hard, yeah. right? Staring rejection in the face. Mm-hmm. But to your point, if, you know, that's the worst that can happen. And if a few people say yes, I mean, that, that's how you start, you know, with your first clients. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Just the no's are going to be part of it. Yep. And all that's going to happen is you're going to have a little bit of a bruised ego. And as more people tell you, no, the bruising gets less. Yep. <laughs> it hurts a little. Um, but I think like to that point though, there's always going to be the fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes rejection. Some people tell me, oh, I just, I'm not, I'm not good with rejection. Nobody is like, (laughs) nobody is out there. Nobody likes that. Like the people that are successful aren't successful because they're like, I love rejection. It feeds me, you know, like (laughs) we don't like rejection. I like nobody does. So I think for someone starting off and thinking about all that and worrying about, wow, it's going to be so hard. Like the, the difference between successful people and people that aren't as successful isn't because one likes rejection. We all hate rejection the same. You just force yourself to do it. Yep. And I still struggle, literally, Kyle, every single day, I have a list of people that I call and I have to fight my mind. Well, what if they don't want to talk to me? What if they're, you know, what if I maybe had a bad experience with them in the past? Or what if I forget a conversation that I had and they're going to think that I'm, you know, don't look. I have to psych myself into the same exact things that I had to do six years ago. Mm-hmm. Like that has not gone away. The fear of rejection is just as strong. The things I have to do to make myself do the work is still there. Like, honestly, for me, it hasn't gotten any easier. Right. And you just, you just do it. There's more on the line. Like, yeah, it's just it. a, a part of who you are at that point, right? Yeah. You're going to take action. Well, what about, um, startup costs, right? I, you know, I think that's the other hang up people have when they look at starting a business, they're like, I'm going to have to raise all this capital. Um, But to your point, a few minutes ago, you know, you did a lot of things for free and you really scrapped for those first few clients. So did you have to get this big bucket of money to start or? So I did have one advantage, really good advantage going for me. And that was 
the fact that I had a sugar daddy. So (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have the pressure of, I need to make money this month Mm -hmm. to pay my bills. So if talking real estate specifically, and probably a lot of businesses, there's going to be the startup time where you're not really going to be making a lot of money. So fortunately, Devon was bringing in money that I didn't have to worry about being profitable my first month. Um, So I think for someone else, that is something to consider. Like, what are you going to do for the first six months while you're probably not making that much money? Mm -hmm. Um, So what was your question? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I forgot it. Um, startup costs. Um, just did, did you have to have this, this big bucket of money to start? No. Um, okay. I didn't have to have a big bucket of money. Now, had I not had the support of a secondary income, I probably would have had to have some savings to get me through the first few months. But as far as what's needed for advertising and all that, like there's so many ways to do it organically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more grind. It's just more like simple stuff that nobody wants to do that everyone says doesn't work because they're not consistent with it. But I would say for almost any industry, there's so much elbow grease that you could, you could attack any startup before you have to really start putting out money. Yep. Did you, uh, going back to the network piece a little bit, did you find yourself surrounding yourself with a certain type of person who's positive and maybe inversely if there were some negative folks around did you have to kind of separate yourself because the startup's so tough right it's it's kind of a yeah. grind every day is, is that something that you had to do we were new to Clarksville so I didn't have a lot of people that I knew that I needed to get out of my life mm-hmm. and I have I think I've always been more of a like positivity only I don't like people that are naysaying or negative, it just, we just don't mesh. So there's not a lot of people that I had to like remove out of my life for that. Um, but as far as mindset, like, I think it is very important that you protect what comes in your mind and that comes from people around you. So hundred percent, that's, that's important. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. You're the, some of the, the five people you spend the most time with, right? That is so true. And the books you read. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the podcast true, you listen true, to now. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, well, let's transition a little bit and, and talk about family, um, which, which is very important to you, right? Yes. I mean, yes. You, you came from a very large family. You, you started your own family. Um, and from what I understand, you brought some extended family down with you to Clarksville. Yeah, I have... Um, four or five family members now living here, which is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> We're always, always, I can't remember how many, but there's, there's a bunch of them down here now. <laughs> well, um, that- yeah, I do think though family is, is really important. And one of the things that's so easy to happen and as an entrepreneur is you put the business first, you're taking calls after hours because you have no hours business is bleeding into family time and burnout can happen so easily, so easily. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hit a turning point that really contributed a lot towards my family life. Three years ago, I discovered a coaching program for realtors and lenders. It's called the core coaching. Um, And I did a little bit of research. I went to a conference that was kind of like the intro conference 
And I, at that point was, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. I was grinding, I was putting in the work, I was doing well, but I was burnt out. Like I was not, I did not have a lot of quality to my life. I wasn't mm-hmm. working out. I was on the phone on vacation, you know, like nobody just got me. It was always mm-hmm. like, I got to take this call. Who else yeah. is going to take it? You know? Yeah. Um, so I found this coaching program and they taught me over the past few years how to run my business like a business, not just a salesperson, not just an agent. And I had Danny about two years into the program and I can confidently say like this coaching program changed my life immensely. I mean, just to give you a breakdown before I was working 70 hours a week, easy, no quality, no division of family time, work time. Mm -hmm. Fast forward two years later, I had my daughter. I took four months off as a real estate agent. I did not go back into the office for four months, which is like unheard of. Yep. I didn't drop an income, a single penny that year that I took four months off and had my baby from the first, from three years ago, when I started the coaching till now, I have cut my hours in half. I work 40 hours a week now. And I take weekends off predominantly. I take Wednesdays off so I can go home and spend it with Danny. Maybe I'll work one or two evenings a week, but that's it. So I have my evenings, most of them. I have my weekends. I have a day off in the middle of the week where we like go golfing with Devon or like whatever, just family time. But literally I have not gone backwards in income not one bit. What sorts of things did you cut out or start outsourcing that you weren't before when you were working all those hours? Um, I think it's building a strong team, having the right people on board, knowing what to delegate first. You know, Mm -hmm. like if real estate agents are listening, a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm going to start a team and I'm going to hire a buyer agent. and I'm going to give them my leads. Don't do that. That's Mm -hmm. not what you do first, but that's, you know, that's not what's going to save you the time. So mm-hmm. I think this coaching program really helped me on like how to hire, what, what are they going to do, how the team should be structured. So um, I'm still very involved in 95% of all of our transactions. I still talk to all my clients personally. I think, I think the, the thing to overcome for all entrepreneurs is we think people just want to hear from us. And if mm-hmm. I don't do it, it's not going to be done right. And my client doesn't want to hear from someone on my team. They don't want someone else to show me houses. They don't want, you know, they just, they just want to hear from me. It's like, we're not that important. Like (laughs) we just got to stop. So I think that was the biggest thing to overcome is like, I didn't need to be involved in every single step Mm -hmm. in order for my clients to be just as satisfied and have just as good of an experience. So once I got that in my head, then I was able to let go. And now I feel that my clients have better experiences than ever before because they don't have scatterbrained Hannah trying to do all the things. I can focus on what I'm good at and hire extremely organized people, probably similar to that organized side of yourself, <laughs> that, that are way better at those things than I could ever be. So I think it really came from learning how to let go, mm-hmm. trusting the people to do it, and truly giving them the opportunity to shine. Was there a lot of coaching and, and setting expectations mixed in there as well? 
With who? My clients or my team? Your team. Um, oh yeah. I mean, we definitely like, we're still, we're always learning, always growing, always. They give me feedback. I give them feedback. How do we make it better? Like on my wall, I have printed in big bold letters, create an exceptional client experience. So I feel like every week we're tweaking something with how we do it. So yeah, always, always. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, I mean, it, Let's go back to that elusive uh, work-life balance. You know, I think that's something that a lot of people that are hungry for success struggle with when they become parents. Yeah, I know it. It was tough for me. You know, there were so many things I was working on um, to where, to your point, I became almost scatterbrained, right? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there when I was doing. I wasn't. I was physically there, but not necessarily focused on the folks I was with. Right. Um, so one of the ways I'm trying to you know, write that ship is really just to set aside time for my daughter, my wife, fitness, whatever, and try not to focus on any of the other things going on at that point. Is that similar to what you're working on now? Oh, totally. And I feel like we're always working on it. Like that's never going to be something that's like, I've arrived. Yeah. I'm I'm here. (laughs) Um, What has really helped me to be able to focus is having designated times that I don't retract on Mm -hmm. because I can work. I can hustle all day long. I can take that afternoon, evening appointment, whatever. If I know I'm going to get my time with my family. Mm -hmm. I think it's when we don't have, when we don't honor those times and Mm -hmm. then the family, the family gets the short end of the stick. Or you're with the family and you're like, oh, I miss my family so much. And so you, you know, you, you let the family time bleed into what the work time was going to be. And then you're, you're anxious and you're behind. And then everybody is getting bad service, you know, family and the business. So I think what has dramatically helped me is knowing I, I'm not going to feel bad that I'm not home. I'm not going to let that mom guilt, which is so real overtake me because I know I have set the side of time. I'm honoring it. I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. And my mom heart will be filled up and then I'll be able to like go to work and focus on work. So I think having boundaries, good, honoring them must, you must. What what does that look like week to week? Do you have like non-negotiable times, you know, like after five on Thursday, you know, I'm, I'm out of the office. I'm doing whatever. Yeah, I do. Um, During the week, um, I have two nights that I can schedule after hour appointments. So Mm -hmm. I don't really care what nights those are. Two evenings, Monday through Friday, I can have an after hour appointment. Mm -hmm. And if a third one comes along, I'll just tell them, oh, the soonest I have is next Monday. The soonest I have is Wednesday or whatever it is. Um, Wednesday is a more recent one that I've added in over the past month because I just – I just needed more time. I know my mom heart was like, I can't be happy and focused (laughs) at work if I'm wanting to like, if I'm missing Danny too much. So Wednesdays, it's blocked off on my calendar. I could show it to you. It says precious baby Danny time. Nothing else can be scheduled. So every time I want to schedule it or I get a sale, it's like, oh, I I can only meet tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I literally have to delete my precious baby Danny time and schedule it. And I've tried to a few times and I'm like, I can't, I can't steal that. I can't take it from her. Right. So I think like blocking those on your calendars, 
putting emotional ties to them. So if you try to break it, it's just another layer of defense. Yep. But then when you're at work, like today, Devon was like, Hey, we're close by. I can bring Danny by the office. And I'm like, I got so much stuff to, I was like, I want to, but I can't. So I think like, you just gotta, I have my, I know each time Danny's time is going to be fulfilled if I honor it. And my work time has to be fulfilled if I honor that too. So. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I'm probably going to steal that hack from you. Do it, do it, but give the time. Like if the family has designated time and I think for everyone it's different, what is the minimum time that Mm -hmm. you are okay with taking away or giving, you know? And so for me, I have to have three full days a week where I'm with Mm -hmm. Danny. I can't do any less than that. I can't. Yep. The business will have to grow within the confines of 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I won't take any more time away. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think to your point too, it's, it's all about quality time, right? It's, it's not just about setting aside that time. If if you're on social media the whole time. Right. Yeah. It doesn't count. We're cheating our family. Like we work, we hustle so we can provide a future for our family. We work to have quality of life. So if the working doesn't allow for quality, it's Mm -hmm. stupid. It's wrong. Yep. Agreed. Well, speaking of social media, you have a pretty big online presence. Thank Um, you. Do you want to tell folks about uh, hashtag Too Easy Tuesday? Oh, sure. Okay. (laughs) So Too Easy Tuesday, I started doing uh, beginning of this year, um, which is just a a once a week commitment because I am not an organized person. (laughs) I am a scatterbrained and I struggle with consistency. So too easy Tuesday. I started doing as just a, every Tuesday, I will do this. I won't be flaky with it. And it was just kind of an opportunity for me to share just thoughts that I'm like stirring with myself Mm -hmm. um, and put it out there. So it's just kind of like two minutes to take or leave some of my struggles and see how they can help someone else. Yeah. And they're, they're full of good vibes each week. It seems like, you know, because you're a really positive person. A lot of the situations you talk about are kind of in the gray area, but you always have a great way of looking at the situation. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's funny is I think that everybody has something to give and a lot of people, you know, they look at me and they're like, Oh, Hannah, you're so confident. And you know, they see me do those little videos, which is really like not that big of a deal. It's like a little video I put out record it mm-hmm. once a week. Sure. Um, but the background to why I started doing that, I guess this is just a little bit of insight into my own insecurities is I think we all wonder like, do we have something to say of value? Are people going to listen? Like, do I actually have something to share? Like, yeah, I learned this and I learned that, but like, is what I have to contribute really valuable and are mm-hmm. people going to even listen or care? Yeah. And so like, I think about that for myself And so I started doing these with that question of like, you know what, I'm going to share regardless of if someone thinks that it's valuable and -hmm. I'm going to use this to build confidence in myself that I do have something to share. So the underlining reason to why I started doing that was to force myself Mm -hmm. to start giving and building that value in myself, regardless of how it was accepted, no matter what, I was just going to do it. And every, every week I'm like, Oh, is this, this is stupid. This is stupid. This right. is dumb. I didn't make the right points like every week, but I just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes you have to just force yourself to do that. 
and that will change you and you will realize your value later, but you got to start even if you don't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if people want to check it out, they can find you on Instagram Yeah, at Hannah Y price. Uh huh. Okay. Good stuff. Well, we covered a lot today. I really appreciate you coming on and being a guest. I know you're super busy, but I think we, we gave a lot to folks to think about and ponder and, and take action on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kyle. This has been so fun. I, I, I'm so glad that you're doing this. I can't, can't wait to see it just grow. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. No, good stuff. Um, if folks want to get a hold of you or they want to work with the Hannah Price team, um, what are the best ways to, to get in touch with your team? Um, well, I'll give you my phone number. It's 931-561-5260. That is my cell phone. So you can call it anytime. Um, you could find us on Facebook, shoot us a message, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Website, hannahpriceteam.com is the website. Um, so yeah, any of those ways, but yeah, buying, selling, renting, investing, thinking about getting into real estate. Like, you know, Kyle, I love talking investments. I love talking real estate anyway. So if there's any interest or any way that I can help, like truly reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anna. No problem, Kyle. Thank you so much. All right. All right. See ya.